Hi, this is Tim Golden of the Motown Philly Podcast here asking you an important question. Are you a woman survivor of childhood sexual abuse? If so, your voice is your strength and your healing journey starts now. Broken to Blessed, hosted by Michelle Hall, is the podcast designed specifically to serve you. Tune in to witness the remarkable transformation as survivors share how they reclaim their lives through the power of their voices. This podcast is your safe space to find your voice and thrive. Explore real stories of resilience, growth, and empowerment, and discover how your voice can be the key to unlocking your healing journey. Ready to rewrite your story? Subscribe today to Broken to Blessed with Michelle Hall on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Broken to Blessed, where your voice transforms your story and paves the way to a life of empowerment. And remember, life can get better. You just have to do the work. Hello and welcome to episode 53, or should I say season 2, of the Motown Philly Podcast. I'm Tim Golden, the Philly in Motown Philly, here with my co-host, Jason Hall. What is going on? The Jason. Mo. I'm the Mo in Motown Philly. What's going yeah. on? Yes, indeed, you are. Jason is the Mo in Motown from the from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, home of Martin Payne and Gina and Tommy and Cole, home of Marty Ma. It's so good to be back with everyone after a brief hiatus, a much needed hiatus. We have said repeatedly in our first season, which consists of 52 episodes, which were 52, I should say, consecutive episodes, that we're here to stay, and we are. We took a little break because both of us, contrary to what you might think, have lives outside of the Motown Philly podcast, and Jason has been doing a lot of interesting, dope things, and I've been trying to do some things, and so we've all taken a much-needed respite, a hiatus, but we are back in full effect. Jason, how's the break been for you? Has it been good? Been good to you? It was It was definitely a much-needed break. I relaxed. I uh, had a lot of introspection, little innovation that we want to even try and bring to the podcast. Um, it was... It was it was a real good time just to kind of chill, but it's also a really good time to get back at it again. Yes, it is, Jason. Yes, it is. Let's go. Let's go. Well, listen, we don't want to begin without the time-honored tradition of gratitude here at the Motown Philly Podcast. We're so grateful for the rest. We're grateful for season two, which is going to be power-packed with tons and tons of good guests and good conversation the kind of thing that just makes you want to invite us into your living room. Jason, tell the folks how thankful we are for all they do for the Motown Philly podcast. Guys, we are, as Tim said, we are so thankful. We are so grateful. Last year, last season was in, in fact, a, a, a miracle that actually manifested and Tim and I look back at last year and the episodes that we put out in consecutive weeks and we do share in our heart of gratefulness of what had happened and we have that same level of gratefulness for you guys showing up, being available to listen to our conversations, these things that about topics that resonate with you guys and we are here with grateful hearts and grateful spirits to be able to in certain certain in a certain sense serve you guys because tim and i in, in on on some level think that this is a service um a lot of times this is a service to ourselves as we uh have these conversations but the gratitude is is overflowing tim right now just out of uh my heart 
for um, just being here again for season season number two. People are asking, we're asking, hey, where are you guys at? And that that kind of warms my warms my heart to know that that we were missed and that now we're back at it again. So the gratefulness for the platform, for our audience and listeners, the topics that we will share, the new people who we'll meet this year. Um, just entirely grateful. For, I'm grateful for you, Tim, and I'm grateful for us doing this together again. Me too, Jason. I'm grateful for our awesome, stupendous, amazing listening audience, and I'm grateful for you and the friendship that we share, because this is just an overflow of our friendship. This podcast is an extension of what somebody might hear if they were listening to the two of us talk on the phone. So I consider this a sort of acceptable form of eavesdropping, right? (laughs) And I'm so grateful to be able to do friendship and to do life with you, Jason Hall. Those of you that don't know Jason Hall, I'm gonna brag on him. He is absolutely a beautiful soul who loves people. He loves relationship. He loves his children. Jason lives for relationship. And when when God made you, Jay, he broke the mold for sure. And I'm blessed to be able to say that I know you. So I'm grateful too, and grateful for every, you're welcome, Jay, grateful for every set of ears out there listening, whether you're in your car, shuttling the kids back and forth, maybe you're home making dinner, maybe you in your car on a road trip, but you are not alone. Motown Philly Podcast is here with you. So Jay, season two, episode one, episode 53 overall, But season two, episode one, I took a trip last weekend, Jason, and I went to a church. And I went to a church and I spoke about my story as a survivor of emotional abuse within Christianity. And I talked a lot about what the church means and what the church does uh, what the church means to me and what it meant to me, what it now means to me, and how the church can have some room for real improvement. It's not about church bashing or anything, but the nice thing about today's topic, Jason, is that it is a combination of two episodes that we did last year. Those of you who followed us in season one know that I interviewed Jason about his journey through Christianity and his disposition to religion and what it was, say, 20 years ago and what it is now. And then Jason interviewed me in another episode about my journey with emotional abuse and what it meant for me not only to experience the pain of the abuse but to experience the progress of therapy after the abuse and to to go examine the hurt and the healing and i think jason our topic today is going to be a combination of these two interviews because what i experienced this weekend was something that was how shall i put it it reminded, it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable in that not only was I sort of re- sharing, sharing uh, things about me that were very difficult. By the way, I should say it's a combination of three episodes because in episode two of season one, Jason and I spent a lot of time talking about vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. So the vulnerability made me uncomfortable, but then it's a combination of your interview too, because it made me think about my own journey and my own orientation and disposition toward the organized religion of Christianity. And some, so there's a lot to get off of our chests here today. Okay. And and uh i'll just i'll start i'll, I'll just start by telling you what happened so yeah I went I, to... that was that was the, i think that was where i was gonna go like let's okay. br- bring us into the room sure. as to the situation as to why yeah. we even wanted to to have a conversation and bring 
mm-hmm. our first episode of this season to this mm-hmm. point because you know of course we have conversations off off wax and it yeah. led us to this point so share yeah. share with us and bring us into that 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 space in that that room with you well i think uh, what happened this past weekend was i was invited to go speak at a church and i went and i i had to speak on friday night to a group of young people which was really wonderful and my topic on friday night was something inspirational for young people it it wasn't really related to the things that i did on saturday and on saturday i preached a sermon and i gave a talk where i focused on the emotional well-being and psychological well-being of black men in american christendom so there's a very specific target group of people Mm -hmm. and the point of the sermon was in the morning on saturday morning was that before we make up stories or theories or give in to stereotypes about people who are suffering what we ought to do is put our opinions and our would-be solutions to the side and really try to experience that person's humanity right Right. and in in order to make this point i talked about the story in saint john's gospel of the man who was born blind this is a man who was unable to see from birth and when the disciples saw him they immediately said who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind but there's a contrast because when jesus saw him the bible says that jesus just saw a man he didn't see anything else and what the disciples failed to do was they failed to put aside or bracket or suspend their theorizing long enough to be able to see this man as a human being and instead they continue the process of dehumanization making this man something other than what he was a man who surely was human who had hopes who had dreams he had aspirations he had a personality he had a family he had all kinds of things but yet he's transformed into a walking billboard for the latest theory about why he was born blind so i asked the people in the after in the afternoon session so that was the theme of the day right jason that we're not we're going to actually listen to people the the african-american philosopher george yancey calls this level of vulnerability being unsutured mm-hmm. meaning you're not going to sew yourself up you're not going to protect yourself mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you're going to expose yourself mm-hmm. And you're going to ask that people, rather than give all their solutions, simply tarry with you. That they wait with you, that they abide with you, even as you describe your pain, right? So, can I go ahead, please, please, Uh, please, go ahead. Even to to say, as George Yancey said, to it, to unsuture somebody like yes it exposes but the the idea of what i'm thinking of it, it exposes what it exposes a wound it exposes a cut it exposes something that was um maybe surgically kept at one point and to unsuture something is to know that you are taking apart a place that's tender Yes. And if you, and if you're taking apart a place that's tender, now that tender thing is exposed. So if that tender thing is exposed, if you have onlookers, you would hope that they would have some type of care, some type of consideration to the hurt, if you will, in order to have better dealings while that unsutured 
injury, if you will, harmful place, wounded place is now open. Correct. That that's what I'm that's what I pull from yeah. unsuture. That that's exactly right, Jason. And if we think of the if we take the medical and the physical metaphor a little further and you think of an open wound that is vulnerable to all manner of pathologies mm. because your skin is the body's first line of defense against invading pathogens. Yes. So when the skin is broken and it's unsutured, as I told the folks on Saturday afternoon at the beginning of my presentation, I said to them, I stand before you now prepared to expose myself to all of your pathological responses. I'm here ready to expose myself to the bacteria of your condemnation, to the fungi of your unsupported theories you and said solutions. This. Yeah, you I'm said saying this. it. I'm saying it now. I'm okay. saying it. Now. I was like, what I what I said then was, I, I didn't use bacteria and fungus and virus. I said I'm I'm unmask. I did say this. I think I said this. I said I'm unmasking myself as if I'm walking into a room with a compromised immune system and respiratory system, and I'm coming in unmasked at the height of COVID nineteen three mm. years ago. I said, so I'm asking you to, in a spirit of Christian love, not tear me down with your pathological replies, but rather to listen to a black man who will explain to you his struggles trying to be healthy emotionally in the contemporary Christian church in America. That's what I'm asking you to do. Mm-hmm. Then I then I proceeded to tell my story. Right. And we come to questions and answers. Now, for the record, my story includes me being compromised emotionally at a young age. Mm-hmm. If you're new a, here, if you're new right. here, this is this is what right. we talked about before. That's that's right, Jay. When you interviewed me, compromised at a young age. And then that level of compromise, I took unhealed and traumas untreated into a marriage relationship in which I essentially had those pre-existing vulnerabilities exploited in an abusive marriage that took me to the brink of suicide. I then sought a therapeutic intervention and I have an amazing therapist who has helped me be at this point today as well as I have ever been at any point in my life, right? And I'm believing that my possibilities are not in the future, but they are now. Mm. They are here. I'm sure, Jason, you'll have a lot to say about that as we go on in season two. Right, right. But, but the point here is after I did all that sharing, two people decided, one of them was a woman. She stood up and she said in her Jamaican accent, which I won't try to imitate here, one, because I'm trying to be respectful, and two, I've been told from my Jamaican friends that my Jamaican accent is not good at all. So, uh, but she said in her Jamaican accent, you know, I think it's terrible the way that black men treat black women and the way they talk to us and the way they talk about us and the cat calling and the this and the that. And Jason, I had to literally stop her, cut her off and remind her that this was not the space for that. I had to remind her that she was doing exactly the same thing that I have been saying not to do. She was doing exactly the same thing as the disciples uh-huh. were doing. Uh-huh. And and I'm thinking to myself in that moment, if I was a woman who was up here and had shared that story, and then a man stood up 
and said the things that she was saying, I would be, I would be stoned. Right? How dare you do that to her? And I said to the, I said to the Drug. church, yeah, I think, I think I came out of that thinking, you know, you want men to speak up more in the church, but you don't want to create the environment for that to happen. And this is case in point. So let's just, let's talk about the first example, Jason. And oh, then after that, she went on right. to say that it's nice for people who are able to get therapy, but I just worked all my issues out with God on my own. As if to say, you don't really need therapy. And right. in saying that, she sort of told everybody why, she showed everybody why she really needs therapy. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, give me your thoughts, Jay. What do you think about that? First of all, I'm gonna, I am going to apologize to you on her behalf, just because you did make yourself extremely vulnerable in front of a bunch of strangers and shared your your story of hurt um, that, you know, if you guys, you know, listen really carefully, didn't just start with your marriage. It started when you were younger than that, when you were in your formative years and you just really opened up to the people there. And um, when you told me that when we first connected, like I felt a way about it. I felt a way in the fact that I felt in certain ways, like I were, I was you. A lot of times when Tim and I share guys, just kind of going behind the veil, if something happens to Tim, because he and I are such good friends, um, brothers even, that I'm impacted by it, like on some level, at least emotionally. I don't feel it the way he does, but there's no way that he's going to hurt and I don't hurt too, no matter what it is. And I don't think Tim even expressed hurt in that situation. He was actually just giving me factual, factual uh, data or experience about what he was, what had transpired. And I, it was me who dug in and said, I started asking him, well, how did that make you feel? Because it made me feel like this. And my, this is like, I felt the level of there was a there's a little confusion going on <laughs> when you told me that there there was also some level of just being upset or mad um or i don't know if it was anger but it was just like the audacity in uh, in a lot of ways to 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 you bear your story for you to bear your story and her disregarding it like you it was a total disregard i'm not sure how long you stood up there to share the details of your story and she stands up and says oh by the way like no nah, no nah, it's this ain't that lady this this ain't but it wasn't even without you even giving or, or telling us the rebuttal just staying on the on the idea that that she had she felt justified to be like but what about this? <laughs> and just kind of tone deaf. Honestly, what did I feel by her saying that? And I'm sure she wasn't the only questions. You probably had some positive ones, but we're talking about what was impactful. Um, and there's a level of tone deafness that, that can come from the church. And I don't think it's, I don't think it resonates in individuals who are young and who are learning it often resonates in the elders uh, of the church she see in a lot of ways i'm not sure how old this person was she could be you could look up to her as a as a church mom and these are also these church moms or elders can in a lot of ways in churches be considered to be gatekeepers or or um to let you in or to push you out uh, i've heard you know certain stories growing up in the church and and these type of individuals can come up to somebody and be like, baby, you know, you're not supposed to be wearing them pants in church. And it's just like, then you never see that. Then you never see that person again. But just someone who can who can look at another person with a level of circumspect um, uh, um, disregard for the actual experience that that per that you were having 
I, I, ju- I just think it's for lack of a better word is is deplorable so it made me feel bad for 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 what you had to experience and you know which made me ask well how did that make you feel and i think you know you asking me what do i think i think that that was you know deplorable my question is what were your feelings as she stood up and started to say and ask these questions of disregard and almost you know like you know that's a, that's what you went through was kind of mundane or routine and or or get over it so to speak because yeah, there's so better issues you, that's right right because as see as you all listen to Jason you can see why he's such a lovable human being because his capacity for empathy is extraordinary and i just want to tell you how much i appreciate you saying that when I'm hurting, you're hurting too. That that means the world to me. And folks, it, it, we I would hope that as we listen, uh, we would take these lessons away from this podcast and apply them in our relationships, right? If somebody is hurting, let's try to be slow to speak and swift to listen. So uh, that said, Jason, I, I am... <laughs> in a good place in my life right now. Yeah, yeah. I I was coming, I'm coming off of a of a high, of a theater high. I had just performed the weekend before last, before I went on this road trip. I just performed two shows as August Wilson, two, two rousing standing ovations, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon the week before. It was a feat that was no small, challenge it was a big challenge it was months and months and months of rehearsal memorizing a 40-page script trying to master my body movements my voice all while keeping an audience engaged in a performance that was a solid one hour and 45 minutes with no scene partners once i start talking it's me and 300 of my closest friends. Wow. And I put that in context to say that coming off of that, my confidence was really strong. Not an arrogance, but a confidence. So as I listened to her, it was not a response that came from a place of pain, but it was a response, Jason, that came from me being able to stand on my square and be assertive and set boundaries with her in the moment to let her know, no, you are not going to change this subject. No, you are not going to do this today. No, I am not the man who put my tail between my legs for 19 years when I was married to someone who could emotionally bully me. Who is standing before you now, my dear sister, is a very different Tim Golden. And you are going to get pushback from me and I'm going to set the parameters here and I am not going to allow you to do otherwise. You're going to respect the boundaries that I set. And I literally said to her, she said, well, I have another point. I said, you can talk about your other point, but what you cannot talk about in this space is how bad black men treat black women. That will not happen. I will, I will politely ask that the microphone be taken from you. If you persist in propounding these ridiculous ideas in a setting that has nothing to do with them. That's what I told her. So it was it was a space of confidence. It was a space of assertiveness. Mm-hmm. And it was a space that enabled me to set boundaries. And that was my reaction to it. Let me tell you about something. I like, first of all, that response was was in perfect. Perfect in the fact that you gave it. And it was it was it was directed at you and you responded not um curtailing or i'm sure you didn't go off on her you're a very respectful person but the point was if you were another person you would have taken that in differently and the fact that you responded from a place of 
like knowledge, education, healing, um, knowing and understanding your experience and how you processed it now and how that was dysfunctional and it was, you hurt and you were able to almost kind of get out of it because you could have been triggered in certain ways and it couldn't have gone well or you in not for her but maybe for you because you could have been um you could have just kind of digressed in a way that to where you didn't stand for hey these are clear boundaries we discussed at the beginning what this was and we are not trying to change the subject and we won't let it any different kind of smoke up in here if you will that will shine light on other topics when this topic is already a topic that very that seldom gets heard that seldom gets um light if you will or publicity or and or and or healthy attention be and to be addressed because they happen right here so let's not say that this is problematic and you raise your hand and say, oh, what about this problem? We're not talking about that. Like I said in the beginning, this ain't that. Like, no. It's not that kind of party. Oh, Jason, this is a great conversation, man. And you know what we're going to do? It's time for us to take a short pause of this conversation and smoking hot as it is. And, you know, in season two, Jason, we, we're stepping up our game a little bit, man. We're talking about advertising with the Motown Philly podcast. What do I mean? Well, Jason, you're an entrepreneur. And as you know, entrepreneurs need affordable, high-quality advertising to help reach their financial goals, right? And the beautiful thing is that we here at the Motown Philly podcast are here to partner with entrepreneurs because we are available on every major podcast hosting site. And our listening audience is growing. We have subscribers in major US markets like New York and Los Angeles. And internationally, we've got audiences in the UK and Africa. So you need to think about if you're an entrepreneur who's looking for a cost-effective way to get the word out there about your business, you need to come to the Motown Philly podcast. We offer three packages that are affordable and reasonable and we believe that whether you get the the starter package where you come up with your own copy and we read it on we read it and and do the commercial or the elite package where you give us some bullet points and we write the copy add copy and then read it for you and if you really want to step your game up you can take our elite package and you can use the elite package to purchase a copy of the ad for your own use across all your social media platforms and so listen the packages are affordable come see us here at the motown philly podcast if you have questions if you're an entrepreneur and you really want to jump start your business you need to come over here and advertise with us we are in your corner you got questions, please reach out to us at Motown Philly Community at gmail.com. That's Motown Philly Community, all one word, at gmail.com. Come advertise with us and watch your brand improve and improve and improve. Thanks, Jay. Just wanted to get that word out there, man. We appreciate that, Tim. Appreciate that. Yeah. As a word from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Want to get that word out there. So, yeah, Jason, that was my response to the first one. Oh, right. There was, there was two. Oh, yeah, oh. there was two. There was and, two. And as <clears throat> as fate would have it, there was a man and a woman. So the sister went first, right? And then the man the man asked me. He said, "I have two questions, or a question and an observation." He said, my, my question is, whose responsibility is it to make sure you have good self-esteem? And I promptly replied, me. That's my responsibility to make sure I do that. 
And then he said, well, here's a text of scripture that I find to be true. And then he proceeded to read a different version of the same exact text that I used to set the tone for the afternoon program. The text that I used, I want to make sure I get it right here, was Proverbs, and it was Proverbs chapter 4, I believe. You, and guys it can't, was, you guys can't see Tim, but he got he he got his word out. I, I got my Bible. I got my Bible out, and it's Proverbs four twenty three, which, <clears throat> excuse me, in the New International Version, Jason says, "Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of life." Now, I'm usually a King James guy, Jason. But in this instance, I like that translation because it says above all else, right? Above this false doctrine of marriage that you worship more than you worship God, guard your heart. Above your, above your abusive spouse, guard your heart. Above your faulty and flawed interpretations, of Pauline letters in Ephesians 5 that tells men they have to die in order for other people to live, guard your heart. So I like that text. What this guy does is he says, well, this is the text that I think is true. And he says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. It's the same exact scripture, Jason. It's the same scripture. And he says, that text is truth. And I said to him, I literally said to him, what's your point? And he responded with, well, I don't know why you would stay in a marriage that long if, if it's that bad. I mean, after all, you just admitted you're responsible for your own happiness. I said, didn't you hear anything I said about how my emotional well-being was compromised when I went into the marriage? And I said, the fact that it was compromised and that it took me such a long time to realize that that's not something I said, you, you're not allowed to hold that against me. I said, and none of it excuses anything that my spouse did in the marriage. Right, right. Although I am ultimately responsible for it, and I ultimately figured out a way to deal with it, which was to say, you know what? I can't control what you do to me, but I can absolutely control how I respond to it. I don't know if you understand what a healthy response that is and why it took me so long to get to that healthy place. I just got finished spending 25 minutes talking to you about therapy, talking to you about the work I had to do, but yet you completely ignored that and you've decided now that you've got it all figured out. I said, you don't have it figured out and you don't know what you're talking about. Oh. So, so th there you go, Jason. Oh. And so if you wanna know why black men don't feel safe, emotionally safe in Christian spaces, this is why. It's kind of, uh, so the first lady, it was deplorable. Like this, the second guy in my eyes was just sheer disrespectful because he, he questioned the basically the validity of your story. Like, bro, all you had to do is, it's like, it's like you were wearing shoes on a different, on two, your shoes on different feet. Like you just, all you had to do is just put them on the right foot as if, right? As if you could at that time tell, like could tell, like a kid who puts his shoes on different feet they don't do that because they know what foot it belongs on. Like, 
that's why intervention is is needed um and it goes it's funny that your scriptures that you have for this talk um lined up to the conversation we had before I knew you used certain scriptures right <laughs> you never even said so on our conversation but it was just yeah. like here's what was here's what was missing guys in both of these two responses Tim was sharing himself those individuals failed to see Tim in the story all they saw was the problem and how he could or should have avoided it if he only made a left or a right and that's it's not and that's not what what Tim and I talk about if you're new to this podcast this podcast is about if and I'm not sure if we said it yet we're getting we're a little rusty y'all but give us a break this podcast is about communication connection and community and those two individuals showed none of that because they failed to see you as a human being and for who you are and for who you were at that time and your health and your healing kept them from a lashing that could have been a lot worse or kept yourself from leaving that experience feeling worse about you opening up and them not choosing to see you and pulling out some points about your story that or comparisons of another story like oh I got one better than that story what about these people or why didn't you just do that you do have a choice as if life is so simple um, when you think about you know what they were able to kind of stand up and and kind of be disruptive to to what was actually taking place that I believe was probably a very you know a very good setting uh, to be inspired that hey people go through stuff uh, and you can come out of it better on the other side with support love and help communication therapy all those good things Tim it's it's what your boy said was 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 downright disrespectful and there are probably some other words I can come up with but I won't it's, it's crazy man but you know Jason there is a huge silver lining to this cloud and that is that when I finished when I finished there were two brothers and two sisters the brother one brother walked up to me and he was shaking so bad he couldn't even talk and he said, you have no idea, man. I was going to kill myself, too. And I thought it was just me. And I went to put my number in his phone. And it, I couldn't even do it. I had to hug him, man. I just had to hug him. And then there was another brother who came up and told me something similar. And then there were two sisters who came up to me not sisters related but sisters as in black women two sisters came up to me and they said you don't even know i gotta get this to my uncle mm. i gotta get this to my brother mm. i gotta get this to my nephew and my cousin in there because they out here messing with these girls and the women don't care nothing about them Man, listen, those four people who came up to me made it all was worth a, it. it. It made it all worth it. It made it all worth it. It made it all worth it, Jason, because if we can just reach one person, and I like the way you put it, we're a little rusty. We ain't been here in a minute, but you know, hanging in with us. We're getting back and forth. This season two, y'all. Listen, <laughs> we about communication, connection, and community. And for us, the risk is worth the reward, right? I mean, as, as crazy as it was to have responses that had the potential to be harmful, it was much, much more um, of a blessing to have people who actually did see me 
And more important than seeing me, they saw themselves and their relatives. And this is what I think is so important. And to me, that made it all worth it, Jason. So if we're gonna if we're gonna connect and if we're gonna have community and if we're gonna communicate, we have to be able to put ourselves aside long enough to actually see the other person. You know, there was a the title that I gave to the sermon, Jason, was Now I See. And in part, that's because I'm writing a book on this scripture in philosophy and in black male studies that will address the man born blind and all of this in philosophical terms. But um, what I think is so powerful about this story, I almost titled the sermon Eyes Wide Shut because who in this story was really more blind? The people who, the, the man born blind or the people who constantly refused to see someone, a human being who was right in front of them. And I think in some sense, a lot of people in the church walk around with their eyes wide shut. They're open, they don't, they're not physically blind, but they have a moral and a spiritual and an emotional and psychological blindness that prevents them from seeing although they see yeah i i just remember when you told me this story i thought about the church and religion and i said some things and that i that are not coming to me right now as far as verbatim but maybe i'll paraphrase and it it and it's tim and i often say it's not to come against the church but it, i think there it there can be at times an environment that the church creates that makes people skeptics that doesn't necessarily invite the idea of seeing the human the human being and going to in it it's kind of kind of ironic bro <laughs> that's what the church is supposed to be about But I think sometimes when you do something for so long on a day in and or week out basis, week in and week out, some things that are right in front of you. And it's funny, apropos your your topic, you just can't see. And when we get to a point when we stop seeing human beings, bro, uh, uh, it's a uh, problem, Jason. It's a serious problem, man. That's the kind of thinking that that's the kind of thinking that put us in slavery in the first place. Yeah, black men and black women reducing one another to the, the you know to black black men reducing women to breasts and a vagina and black women reducing black men to a credit score and the size of their bank account. Uh, right? Radical reduction, radical dehumanizing reductions that get carried on in in everyday life like it's no big deal, right? But it is a big deal because behind all of the facade there is a person, you know. And I couldn't help but try to emphasize this to the church in the sermon. What must it have been like to be this man who was born blind and who who nobody else could ever see? I mean, can you imagine? Talk about low self-esteem. Because in first century Palestine, when you were born with these types of disabilities, it was assumed that you had done something or that somebody had done something morally wrong. And think about how some people become so smart that it makes them stupid. How could you possibly have done something to warrant your blindness at birth when it means you would have to be before you... Existed. Actually, were yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just people being so smart that they become stupid, right? You yeah. just you just theorize. You just we just theorize people out of existence. It is wrong. 
and it is at the core of many of the worst atrocities in human history. Think Yo. about what happened to Jewish people in World War II. You right. couldn't put people in ovens unless you determined that they weren't people. You couldn't put people in chains in the United States and have slavery for hundreds of years until you convinced yourself that they weren't people. And so at some point, the lives, Jason, of black men are at stake in a space where they're supposed to be safe. Listen, I got I got this. I have this thought and I'm not sure if we did it on our last season, but you can generate this picture of the enumeration of humanity. If you can if you can if you can pick up what I'm what I'm laying down for you, how you give the idea how you give the idea of thought when it comes to that that realm of infinity and how people are enumerated and how and how people like I can't explain it how Tim expresses it so I'm trying to tee him up but once he once he tells you this and then brings it back to the our lack of ability and we'll say our tim and i are included in that because we don't have an advantage we just we hold each other accountable in the space where we have often have conversations to so that we can see each other and try and see people around us but when tim kind of puts a little uh puts theory and puts puts flesh on the bones as we like to say by kind of sharing with you this idea of enumeration of man just listen to this y'all so let's let's talk about this, Jason. Thank you for that reminder. I like to call this lessons from the vinculum. V-I-N-C-U-L-U-M. Vinculum. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know what the vinculum is, the vinculum is the horizontal line that you put over a repeating decimal that indicates that the number goes on for infinity. So for example, you might have 1.33 and you see a horizontal line over the second three. That means that that three is a repeating decimal for infinity. So if you consider the number 1.33 and you consider how it is somewhere between one and two, and you also consider that it is an infinite number the question becomes how do we ever get from one to two except that we overlook the infinite stay with him y'all he going y'all y'all lock in right here he going somewhere he oh so so we count people and counting and calculation involves a sort of pragmatic need for efficiency. We have to be able to count things, right? Jason, you're an entrepreneur. You have to be able to count how many cars you have in your fleet, right? The census is done once every 10 years. We have to be able to count as nearly as possible in accuracy how many people we have so that we can have an effective distribution of social goods. You gotta be able to count because when you go to the store, you don't wanna get ripped off. You gotta be able to know if they've made change the right way, right? So there's nothing wrong with counting, but sometimes counting goes too far when we apply to people the things that we apply to money or the things that we apply to efficiency that we need for Jason, your, for example, your everyday life in the business world. You have to be able to count, right? So I'm not saying that counting is bad. What I'm suggesting is that something bad happens when we begin to count people the way we count things. We begin to overlook the infinite. We begin to, there's an infinite amount of things that nobody knows about me. And when we begin to count me as a me among others, or you as a you among others, we overlook 
the divine nature of human beings and we cease to be beings created in the image of God and we instead become beings created in the image of the one who is counting because the one who counts us counts us by overlooking the divine in us and when you count one two three four five six seven it becomes a problem this is why david was chastised by god for wanting to number the people david wanted to number the people as a potentate for the sake of efficiency and even as he counted the people he overlooked not only the divinity in the people in that they were made in the image of God, but he overlooked the divinity that put him on the throne in the first place. And so there is something violent about counting and calculation when it is carried out of the sphere of ordinary everyday efficiency and into a realm of cold indifference done to people for the sake of making people be efficient, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. We are not resources. Contrary to the phrase human resources, we're more than that, right? right. And so I, I would hope that as that the next time you count, <laughs> you keep that in mind because infinity is situated in the spaces between the numbers that we use to count. And it's one thing to say, we just have to be efficient in our everyday lives. It's another thing to say, I'm gonna count people the way I count things, because then if you're not careful, people become things. Mm. And that is unacceptable. Right, oh, I love that. The, the, infin the infinity between one and two, as you gave in the example of one point, was it two, three or three, three, three? One point. And by the way, there's an infinite amount of infinite numbers between one and two. Because you could have 1.22. How do you ever right. get to 1.3? How do you ever you get there? You do it. You do it pragmatically because you have to. When Tim talks about this, this is why I geek out on this and on this idea. Um like the lady we disregard the the person like like we do skipping from number to number and you sh and when it come what tim is saying to me my interpretation of that is tim asked that when he started his his lecture or his speech or his sermon like let's tarry here on this same subject about me an individual a person a human who had an experience that i don't want you to rush from two to three with there are an infinite mode there are an infinite there were and are infinite experiences about my particular experience that i want us to 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 lay with that i want for us to understand that i want for us i want for you to hear how it felt i want for you to understand what i did after I, I after i felt the feelings and how long it continued to persist and when i felt the other notions to begin to change and then what i did when things needed to start changing and they didn't change as fast as i wanted to because i struggled along the way and this is what I did and that's what that felt like and that was her response to Terry with a person's experience is not to rush from counting one to two but hanging out in the 1.33333 because there was a lot of stuff that happened to me to get me here don't dismiss me Jason, that's it. That's it, brother. Don't dismiss me because that, that was the point of the whole weekend is that black men in American Christendom occupy the same space as the man born blind in John chapter nine. Mm -hmm. 
that that they are <laughs> they are relentlessly habitually overlooked it's not even a thing to disregard the humanity of a black man and and to to heap upon him based upon misinterpretation after misinterpretation after failure to take into account hyperbole well God said, love your wife's like Christ loved the church. Yeah, he said that in a letter to a church at Ephesus where men were mistreating their wives. He's trying to make a point. Yeah. Right? It's Paul hyperbole. Right. Oh, he absolutely said it. Right? Yeah. And he said it because he's trying to make a point. So in the end, Jason, you know, we have a long way to go. And when I left that weekend and we talked, a few days ago, and in our conversation, you were like, Tim, what a complex range of emotions and things. Because the church, the church is a wonderful institution if we do it right. But I think too few of us are interested in being right, but we're not interested in doing righteousness. Being, it's easy to, it's easy to be, it's much more difficult to do uh -huh. that's why in james it says be ye not only hearers of the word but be ye doers of the word too many christians are allergic to activity and they are in love with abstract conversations about what they see as right and wrong and my hope for black men in Christendom, Jason, is that if there's a brother who is listening to this now, who finds himself in a, in a difficult situation, I'm here to tell you, and Jason is here to tell you too, there's hope for you on the other side. If you're interested in having me come to your church and do this kind of thing, I have no problem opening myself up and I'll say it here more smoothly than I did last weekend. I have no problem opening myself up to all of the various pathologies, the fungi of your bad stereotypes, the bacteria of your judgment and condemnation, and the virus of your self-righteousness. It's all worth it because the Bible says God's word goes and it accomplishes not that which you please, but about it, that it accomplishes that which he pleases. So I'm here. I'm here for it, Jay. We're here. This is Motown Philly, man. It's what we do. True, you know true, what true. I'm saying? Uh, and I love it. I'm, I love it. I want to make this disclaimer on this, if I if I will. And Tim, you can help me out. If, mm -hmm. I think it's appropriate. Um, as we talk about males in the church, I want you to understand that this is not a generality tim is specifically speaking about the black male experience and i think that's important to to hear because um males as a collective whole have not have not all had the same experience so with that being said as we shared tonight we shared from a point of view that came from a black male experience not a not a white male experience um or an asian male or or whatever you get what i'm saying um we shared from the experience that from from whence we've come from and and had conversations with and and had these these similar shared shared experiences is that fair mm -hmm. i think that is fair jason nothing that we have said tonight implies or is intended to imply that white men asian men african men caribbean men don't have the same some of the same issues in the church because i think they do i think what's important for us to keep in mind is that we can only speak to our experience. I can't speak for the experience of someone else. I can't speak for the experience of another black man. But here's what I can tell you. I have spoken at enough men's conferences in the church to know 
that black men in the church are hurting, that they are hurting, that they are in pain, that they need help, and also that the church has a role to play in helping to facilitate rather than frustrate their healing. I'm not suggesting that the church is here to be a panacea for all of the ills of black men. But what I am suggesting is that the church has a spiritual and a moral obligation not to worsen the emotional condition of black men. And we worsen it when we get up on our high horse and decide to theorize black people, black men out of existence in the church. When we stand up and we begin counting any general any any vulnerable rather black man and we just count him among the number of other black men oh he just got something to say he just cried because now you're turning people into things uh -huh. now you're counting and there's a violence to your counting and your calculation because not only are you overlooking my divinity you're overlooking the divinity of the god who gave life to you that is present in me and in you and in everyone. And until we get that together, I'm not suggesting that I'm gonna change the world completely, but I do think that the message that I share, the message that we share here at Motown Philly, Jason, has the capacity to make a difference in the lives of people all around the world. And you know, Jay, I'm here for the ride, bro. I'm not gonna stop till it does. Me too, bro. I think we had yeah, a good man. episode. Yeah, 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 real good. Tell us, Jay, where can they find you, man? Yo, you guys can find me on two major platforms. One, you can find me on Instagram at the speakers mechanic at the speakers mechanic, and you can also find me on LinkedIn at Jason Hall, communication skills coach. I'm a, I am a professional skills coach, communication skills coach. Excuse me. Uh, who helps business um, business owners or entrepreneurs, helping them communicate from the front and from the behind, if you will, when it, their message to the masses so that they might gain influence in their space so that they can grow their business in an effective way. Tim, where can we find you, my brother? You can find me on Instagram at a good golden man. That's at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden EXQ. I'm sorry, you can find me on X. I guess that's what we call it nowadays. Since Elon Musk has been in new management, we call it X now. So you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter. I feel like I'm talking about Prince, right? right the exactly. artist formerly known as. Anyway, you can find me on X, formerly known as Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. And you can find me, last but not least, on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain death taxes, and I am the only black man in Walla Walla named Tim Golden. You can take that check straight to the bank. I promise you, it won't bounce. So good, season two, episode one, Jay. Season two, episode one. And we got more goodies in store. We'll be coming back at you next week with Season 2, Episode 2 of the Motown Philly Podcast. Communication, connection, community. Till next time, Jay, I do believe we out. And I do believe I can say I'm out of here. Like Vladimir. Peace. Peace.